Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side under the Believe Podcast Network. It is indeed a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy helping us stay on the same page as a family. Today for episode 112, we'll be discussing romances and the novella A Taste of Honey by Kai Ashante Wilson, who is an incredible writer. Ben, could you hold up the book to the camera? For those of you who cannot see at home, well, you're you're shaking it. So for those of you who are looking at the YouTube at home, there is a man on the cover with a incredible afro, and he's got a leopard next to him, and then there's another man out past him. But you can't really see who that other man is. This is actually me for the first time, like giving the front cover a little bit of a closer look. But we are very excited about this book. But before we talk about A Taste of Honey, we want to thank those of you out there who are as sweet as honey. You guessed it. I'm talking about our supporters, our patrons. Thank you so much for those of you who give $1, $2, even $5 a month on the Patreon every single month. Special shout out to Jasmine, Venice, Megan, Brittany Martin, Kiala Jordan, Stephanie, Tiffany, and Hanora Banks. We super appreciate y'all. If you would like to be a patron and support us monthly, support the Wallen family and this incredible podcast, you can find the link to that in the episode notes. Now, Ben, this is me saying, Ben, now it is your time to speak because I fear asking you how you're doing is going to send you into a tizzy. Um, are you drinking out of my black, a black woman is speaking, listen and learn cup? Yeah, it's a good reminder for me. I like that. Because you're I, the one speaking, and I should be listening. I, I let's let's just take it as you just said it, right? I'm just kidding. You can you can drink out of my cup as long as you remember. I only drink this uh, in the home when you're in the home. Uh, I'm always in the home. We both work from home. Yeah, but if you're outside doing something out of the home, uh, you have I'm, enough respect for me to not drink. Yeah, it I won't drink it while because, I'm away because you're probably not you know, speaking to me so I don't have to listen. Or learn. Or learn. I love that. Anyway, what you been up to, man? Uh, so <laughs> I watched a romance with you for something from Tiffany's. It's uh, the new romantic holiday. And I don't really do romances. And this is the it's first... It's the new romantic holiday? It's the new romantic something from holiday. Tiffany's. Imagine if there was a national holiday called... Some, it's Today and is something from Tiffany's day. Everyone's, so Tiffany becomes like this, you know... Uh, leader this uh i guess um what's what's that term of like evil leader like tiffany the owners of tiffany's a, require a tyrant a tyrant you remember we were talking there's about a tyranny tyranny, tyrannical rule and tiffany's takes over and they have a holiday named tiffany and all the men have to go and buy something from tiffany's i love that holiday yeah so i sound unfortunately I that's not what the money. movie was about I don't have enough money to do that. But we don't really watch romances. But this book is a romance. And this is the first romantic uh, book that we've read or the first romance we've read. And it's yeah, a gay so. romance. Yes. Two men. Two men. Uh, which To clarify, which, as opposed to two women. Sorry. Two, <laughs> yeah. So which makes it gay. It's Correct. A, yep. About that. It was really. It good. was very, very good. And it was a quick read. You know what? I got to be honest. I was actually having um, 
Ben knows I have anxiety about the smallest things, and I appreciate him working with me on that because, and I know that he's distracted by tons of, you know, we, we, this is why we are married to each other because we help each other with things. And I have anxiety about a lot of things. And one is of which door is, is that door locked? Oh, stop sorry. It. I, get, I get distracted by a lot of things. That was, I was just, and like, my anxiety <laughs> says, wait, the door's not locked. So, uh, raise your hand if you have anxiety. Great. I get anxiety about things. And one of the things I get anxious about is whenever we assign a book for the podcast, I get anxious about finishing the book on time because I just lose track of time and it's hard to sit down and just like read a book. And so what I typically do is go to audible. I'm like, Oh, well at least if we're reading a book, I can have audio book. I can clean and listen to it and listen to it and read it at night. Like that's great. And so, yeah. So I procrastinated with reading this book and you know, we try our best to drop the podcast every Tuesday. So on Saturday night, I went to go look up the audio book for a taste of honey. And I discovered on Saturday night that there was no audio book. So I immediately was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to finish this book for our podcast. And I'm just going to like spend the day reading when I should be spending time with my family or whatever. And uh, the book is 157 pages. And obviously I read it in like a couple of hours because it was so, it was so well written. And I, I just remember feeling intense gratitude for Ben choosing like uh, a, a, just a, a, a tight little pussy of a romance story and I, I was just like melting in my covers. I, I was like, oh my gosh, this really takes me back to like, I don't know, Type just person. being in high school and just oh. grabbing a book and wanting to like block everybody mm. out for a couple of hours. So I, I really, and I was, I was sick most of the weekend. I'm still like almost getting better. So it, it just felt really nice to like get off my phone for a couple of hours and just read this book. So Yay. thank you for choosing this book. It was really good. So I, I do want to ask you though, because I don't go to romances as a you don't as a thing to you know, search out. Except I will read a queer romance novel yeah. um, if it involves like fantasy and science fiction. So my question for you is what is about romance? I guess for you, let's start like specifically for you. What is about romantic comedies or romantic stories that are so appealing to you? And then, and then I want you to sort of expand that question out to what is it about romantic comedies is so appealing, especially towards women. Like women are, yeah, are the sure. primary consumers of um, romantic novels, romantic comedy. So yeah, first for you, what, what what is it about? I think that there is so much, you know, doom and gloom and uncertainty, and and especially now, right? That that, that sense of um, uncertainty and fear has always been present, but now that we have, you know gone through we as a a society as a globe have gone through the pandemic unpredictability is very scary and it disrupts our routines and it disrupts our lives so there's something just like hopeful and beautiful and wonderful about a love story Mm. and uh, and it gives us hope in our own even even if you're if you're single if you're married you you just love a love story there's a there's a predictability and there's a comfort there that i know you're like I hate that. I you, you're well, you're very spontaneous, but like some some of us just like to say like I just want to put on my favorite show that I've seen a bunch of times. So I and I because I know what's going to happen at the end. I know that it's they're going to be okay. They're gonna, they're I gonna know that they're going to save the day. And if that makes me boring, fine. But I just had fifteen horrible things happen today in my life. 
So I need to see somebody like make it or I need to see like I just got stood up by this date. So let me go home and watch, you know, Sleepless in Seattle or whatever to just like make myself believe again. Like there's there's a level mm. of hope there that that's why I watch them. And I, I would I would guess a lot of other women watch for that reason as well, because like when you close the book, it, there's just doom and gloom a little bit. It, it's true. I need like somebody's got to win. Why do you why do you think men are not as interested in romance stories? Because you know, m- you know, men are part of many of these romance stories, right? Like you can't have something from Tiffany's without the dude, right? That the dude, yeah. the dude was an important part of that story. I mean, that you know how like the patriarchy hurts everybody? Mm-hmm. Like that just I I think that the patriarchy has made men not uh gravitate towards a romance novel it's mm. like from from everything from like the marketing of like it weakness to, yes because to be in touch with your emotions and be vulnerable and, and love love has now been marked as such a feminine quality uh but when you like look at every groom on their wedding day they're up there sobbing too you know so i i i like it's all in the in how like girl is pink boy is blue fabric of how we do things but i think without all that crap just as like a man wrote this um queer love story i don't don't even know he's gay i didn't even look up if he was gay or not i just was like this is like some of the great romantic classics that we've ever had were all like were written by men you know if you really think about it but there came a point not all of them i'm not saying men are inherently better at writing romance novels but i'm just saying like if you look at like more yeah opportunity well in publishing in general in publishing in general but like you can't inherently say that men are not interested in romance when you read like i don't know i can't even think like the great gatsby or something like what's what what, if if you had to just like think in your brain like a romance novel or a romance story what well i think of those like very sexy pictures of the man like with like a mane, like of a lion. Yeah, but what know? story and, like, do you think of? Because I think of like, oh, the fault in our stars. A man wrote that. That's a love story. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a romance for sure. Yeah, that's uh, John Green. Um, I guess the first one I think of is Beauty and the Beast. That's a romance story. You think it's so interesting to me that. You uh, when I say story, I meant like a book off the shelf. Do you think mm. immediately of a book off the shelf, a Beauty and the Beast? I mean, I don't read romance. I don't read romances. I know, but you know, like what are those romance? Like I, Romeo and Juliet. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah, Shakespeare. That, yeah, that's he, that, Shakespeare. A man wrote that. That's a. Uh, I guess, but I don't even consider Ro- uh, Romeo and Juliet as a romance. It would qualify as a tragedy. Right. That's true. So, what I, what is something that you think in your mind, like without even doing hard labor God. in your brain, like what is your uh, what romance story do you see yourself pulling off? One, show? I always do hard labor in my brain. It's impossible for me not to do hard labor in my. Just brain. pick one. Okay, y'all. I, 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 I'm I I'm unsubscribing from to, this conversation a bit. So the first the first book and that comes into my mind, there were these like Christian romance novels oh, that take no. place on like a prairie. So I think of those. I can't remember their name. I know my mom liked reading them. And I remember one point uh, hearing that romance novels are not healthy for young women to read because they can be pornographic. Who said that? I think maybe someone in my youth group. It might have been a youth pastor. I mean, that's like the... But they're also all saying like pornography is the greatest sin known to man. 
pornography is the greatest thing <laughs> known to man. Say that over I, and over to get it through our head. I just don't, I don't know. You know, this is the thing about it. I, Romance I wonder if y'all, I remember last week or the week before that, uh, Ben and I were asking each other, like, do you think if you would have met me, I think Ben, Ben shared that if he never would have met me, his personality wouldn't have been the same. Like, like meeting me changed his personality for the better. And in the moment I was thinking to myself, well, personality wise, I've, I've pretty much been this person my whole life, but I will say because I have been with Ben, meeting Ben has really expanded my mind and my comfort zones and things like that. So I want to be clear that I, I said all that to say, like, some things I thought maybe even about pornography before I started dating you, like, almost, what, eight years ago now, has definitely changed for the better. And so maybe my, like, comedy and, like, improv chops kind of you you know you don't really have an impact on that because I am that girl but I definitely think you, you have really like I remember our first vacation we went on together I was like oh Ben doesn't go on vacations he's an explorer like we're not here to just sit on the beach and drink my ties we're here to like really like figure out what the locals do and like go on hikes off the beaten path and so you really made me sort of like start experiencing life and and get out of this mindset of like well you go to work so you can live you 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 work before you play and that's how the rules always are so i definitely think you've just broadened my horizons with everything and i say that to say like you are the reason i love porn now wow i love porn by myself i love porn with you i don't think i would have ever uh revered pornography the way that I do now. Yeah. If I had never met you. So yeah, there are like <laughs> elements of romance and porn that sort of go hand yeah. in hand. They sort of explore each other. That you know, it's funny on the topic of porn because we watched a viral video of these people talking about porn. There's lots of like Christian podcasters talking about porn as being evil. And it's yeah. very so after watching those, I was like, you know, what does the clinical data suggest about porn? And it essentially suggests that sometimes porn for some people who already have violent tendencies could potentially violent. Like, yeah. Could, could I like, you were make say you like addictive or addictive or, or whatever. But porn has in made this, people more violent. Oh, oh, I see now I'm, I'm being, so, I, sorry. So there's the there's, porn I watch is not violent. So in my brain, I was like, there are, part, yeah, but I, I understand like the elements gang of, bang and yes, like some there, of the BDSM that, has been consented to on this video, but in real life, pe- people might not. Right. I understand now. In what the you're in the same way that like alcohol, like some sometimes, you know, as the Bible says, everything in a moderation. I forgot what verse that is regarding, yeah. especially regarding the porn. Right. So, so correct. There is elements of like drinking. Some people should not drink, and maybe in some excess. Pe- yes. And maybe some people should not watch porn if they already like. And it also like depends on like what kind of porn. Do you, you think know? people can be addicted to romance? Yeah, you. I mean, you can be addicted to anything, right? But porn is sort of brought, thought of as this like exceptionally evil thing, especially right. in Christian circles. What do you um, think a danger of so, like reading too many romance novels or watching so, too much romance? What's right. the danger? So of that? the danger that was explained to me is that it creates unrealistic expectations in the same Ooh, way. Yes, that, like Love Is Blind. Like all love those is contestants. Bl- I'm like, right. y'all have not been in a I relationship. Guess, 
Yeah, I guess if you like constantly watch this romance over and over, you expect like you fall in love and there's a miscommunication and then everything is sort of fine from here on out. Yeah. And something from Tiffany's is the most recent romantic comedy that we watched, mm-hmm. romantic holiday film that we watched is based in that, is that there's miscommunication, that miscommunication ends a year later, they get engaged, everything's okay. And so mm-hmm. it can create unreali- unrealistic expectations. And porn is, can be similar in similar ways. There was a great yes. TED Talk I have to find of uh, a woman who actually started a website uh, like creating more realistic porn because she was having sex with younger men who were watching porn that, you know, felt too unrealistic right and this and again we're talking like porn is a whole genre and there's so many different kinds of porn out there right and and how people consume it and who they consume it with i think is very um it's very contextualized but it it is sort of funny to hear people like this thing is so evil when i'm like scratching my head i'm like "I, i think i can name like 30 other things that are actually evil there's nothing evil about porn yeah um and, and then there's these weird lines that, you know, what is porn? It's like going to our art institute and, like, looking at a sculpted penis. I mean, that's pornographic. Oh, I guess. Right? Yeah. Right? So th- there's I this I think whole, about it like that. Yeah. So there's there's all these different ideas about it. But, um, you know, porn is uh is definitely a thing. You know, men, men tend – there are elements of porn that are not positive. Like, men can – act in porn longer than women right that that has to do with patriarchy not porn exclusively yeah i got you so, i mean every yeah every social ill is also just gonna seep into the the sex industry yeah. of course uh, like of course it, but it. this book was not for i mean there were obviously some scenes of just well like stylistically well written like not there there were actually no scenes like just of love making but there might have been some scenes of like before or after you yeah reading? like ha- sort of like morning like, after but it just it did a really good job capturing just like it's romance not erotica correct it, yeah, it's romance think- not erotica but those that uh i love it ben just that that feeling of like meeting someone and just spending like long nights You're, into the morning just, with just someone can't, yeah you can't you know separate from each other and just like the 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 musk of that person the next day oh yeah day. They, they talk oh yeah there is they're a like, whole thing they're like, of like open a fucking slick, window slick yeah. with s- sweat and you know there there's yes. a little like a little bit of a piggy scene you know of like just dirty you know they're oh. like they just I, I wouldn't have i didn't even read it that way i read it as like i just, want you so bad so, i don't even want to take a shower yeah the j- just y'all know what it is it's like when you meet somebody and then you have like a weekend fuck fest and then you you gotta open a window or somebody's gotta leave the room at some point but maybe you don't maybe you something. just order takeout and then you get back in there naked and you eat and you go for a couple more rounds and it just it's it's just a simpler time it you is. know and these are two so a, a kid I, i'm sure okay I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because I really did love this so much. Um, speaking of love, we do have one Apple podcast rating to read. Would you like to read it? Yeah. Uh, this is from That Girl Brit. Uh, I'm assuming this person is a she. I should not assume. I'm going to say 
Britt writes, uh, love the banter, love watching Amber and Ben and Wild on Instagram, listening to their podcast. I, I enjoyed their banter and the honesty of Namor handsomeness when they reviewed Wakanda Forever. Yeah, I guess that's sort of that was sort of pornographic, some of your descriptions Ooh. of Namor. Um, I'm going to listen to the old ones to catch up as I like how they review. Plus, gives me more content to read, listen, and watch. Thank you, Britt. That was, that's, see, that's, that's what we're trying to do here. We are. And especially if you're like, Amber, I haven't read a book in years. Just pick this up. Like, yeah, it's you short. can knock it out in an afternoon. I, cause I truly did that. Like, and I know, and I get people are like, well, I don't work from home like you. I read this on a Sunday. Like, it was just, and, and keep your vibrator nearby because you might have some moments, you know. But just like, I was like, oh, I miss that, like, funky. No, I don't miss it. We have sex pretty regularly. But but it does remind you of a time where you just meet some. Like, yeah, I feel like the first date we went on. Th- the first time we went on a date, that date lasted, like, it felt like over 24 hours. It did. It lasted a long time. Because you, you're just like, I don't want to let this person out of my grip. Oh, look, are you touching my thigh? Yeah, I'm touching your thigh. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we're going to keep it about the book. This is not going to turn into a flip. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to you need indeed yeah so so i will just go ahead and give you a a short plot summary of this wonderful novella so it's essentially a story about two men a soldier uh lucretio and a menagerie caretaker akib they're from two different kingdoms and they fall in love with each other in a society where like being gay is forbidden essentially both of their kingdoms and then there are also like deities, uh, gods and goddesses who use science. And then there are people who can like talk to animals and have telekinesis. So there's all this like fantastic element as well. Yes. But it really centers around uh, Lucretio's and Akib's relationship. And yes. And Akib can talk to animals. Yes. He, he which is, is pretty boss. Yes. He gets that. He gets that power at some point. And he's um, he's a menagerie for those who don't know. In, like, ancient kingdoms, kings had, like, tons of animals and beasts as just part of their, like, I guess, entertainment and part of their riches yeah. and glory. And so you would have a caretaker. And so Akib is very great with animals. He's very kind. Um, he's described in more, like, effeminate terms uh, throughout the bur- book and, like, I guess in the stereotypical, I'm using air quotes, stereotypical way of effeminate. And... Yes. Um, I, actually, sort of let's get into that because one of the themes I th- see through this is I'm going to term it as familial dissonance and this idea of, you know, having conflict with your family. And I kept on thinking throughout this book because Akib has this awful brother named 
who just goes by corporal. Yeah, the corporal. The corporal. And uh, I keep on thinking, like, to what extent do you defend or cape for your family? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Is it... And <laughs> like, It's hard. Like, would you defend a family member if they were a murderer, right? And to, you know, finding that line of, like, I'm going to... <laughs> Like, love you as a family, but will I defend you is such uh, a great question that everyone should explore and create those boundaries. But um, this, weirdly enough, reading this story reminded me of something that happened um, in in the town I grew up. In 2014, a man, college kid, came and murdered his father with an axe. And sort of in the town, I was at Del Mar. You can look it up, the Del Mar killings murdered his father with an axe and disfigured his mom. And during the court trial, like his mom was like, no, it wasn't my son. Like, even though she, she claimed she couldn't remember, she was very disfigured. I remember seeing pictures, just horrified. So that could be the case. But at the same time, like this was a boy who would like break into their home, would lie about his grades, like forged transcripts from the community college, Hudson Valley Community College, to get back into the school and University of Rochester. Like this boy had a history of being deceptive and even like doing violent things, like breaking into their home. And the his bro- parents' home. His parents' home. Like breaking into so their his home mom, while he was away at school. Yeah, his his Ooh. mom knew that he was not like uh, an honest, you know, child, and yet she still defended this. You know, he was he was convicted in two thousand six. So I was sixteen. Murders happened when I was fourteen convicted in 2006 but I, I kept on thinking about that because the corporal like literally beats his brother like at one point they talk about how yeah. the corporal has figured out hurting his brother to such an extent that doesn't leave bruises yeah which is what you do when you're i mean i okay uh, a little bit of a zoom out but i promise i'll zoom in quickly so ben wants a kindle that's been his whole big thing i don't want a kindle uh, and I'll tell you a small story why. Because I I love when Ben and I are both reading a book and he's a little bit ahead of me because I can read his little handwritten notes in the book. And I say that to say when I got to this part of the book, his handwritten notes were something like, this is what true abuse is. Like when you are intentionally hitting someone where other people can't see the bruises and only the person that mm. can... Uh, only the person experiencing them will know that they're there. Like that's just like a, it's like physical, but also like a psychological level of abuse mm-hmm. because to an outsider, it's like, but, but you're fine. Look at you. Yeah. You're um, like, oh. Or yeah, I, I, I cannot get behind and, and, and Ben knows this because I've had to confront a family member about inappropriate things they were doing before. I cannot get behind just like, fucking with family members who do wild shit that don't mm. think like like and i i recognize there's like forgiveness and but i'm talking about like just general personality or repeat offenses or it's like the family member that always comes around and then things turn up missing it's like you know this person <laughs> It reminds me of this TikTok where this kid with autism like went to speak. Oh. On, uh, they gave this kid with autism the mic to speak on behalf he of his just, uncle, he and he was so, like, he "Well, you know, was. Robert was a thief." So, <laughs> told how it was. and I was like, "See, I'm, this this child who maybe might miss some social cues here and there knows that this person is a thief, 
And for whatever reason, like, and I, and I get it. Like, what are we supposed to do, Amber? Just exile this person? But it's like, no, but Maybe. somebody should confront them. Yes. Because what I've seen is a family member who is committing offenses sometimes quite regularly. Everybody just kind of deals with it so that really? like grandma won't be disturbed by this or whatever. But then when it comes to like a family member being gay, everybody don't deal with that. So I'm kind of like, so we're going to deal with like, well, well, they, they're not, they're going to deal with it. They don't accept it. Correct. So, yeah, yeah. They find their ways to sort of like shun that person. So yeah. it's like, so it's not that y'all don't know how to shun motherfuckers. Cause I've seen y'all yeah. kind of do that. But what y'all do is for literal like predators and thieves and like abusers, we just welcome here. Grab a plate, like yeah. like I don't like that shit. I don't fuck with that shit. I don't I don't like sweeping like and, and call me like the crunchy granola cousin or whatever. But everybody in the family at this point, like like especially my family in Georgia, knows that like I'm not just gonna sit there and like not shake some shit up yeah. if I see somebody weird in the mix, yeah. especially now that I'm a parent. Cause I was like that before, mm. but I don't know. I, it, it's really hard to do that because you, you don't want to like let something bubble up, let something fester. But I personally have a boundary now where I'm like, if so-and-so is there, I'm not coming. Like that is what it is. Y'all can choose to still invite them. Y'all can whatever. But I, I, I kind of, tend to like call my family members out on their bullshit. Like, and mm. I've had some talks with my dad once or twice. Again, my dad's great, but like every now and then he'll get into like a, a drunken, angry fit. And I've just been like, I'm not dealing with this. If you want to act like this, I'm not coming to the party. Yes. Right. But that's hard. That's hard for people. And it's hard for, in this book, it's hard for a keep and a keep doesn't realize the abuse of his brother until Lucrecio Lucrecio sort of points it out and says, dude, like your brother's not a good person. And there's this element where Akib keeps on going back to this moment where he was a kid and his brother saved him from drowning. And there's these things that I was reading. I spent a lot of time just (laughs) researching how abuse is normalized. And oftentimes um, someone who's being abused, the victim will hold on to these singular moments of kindness yeah. and just hold, hold this as an ideal, right? And it's funny. You see this in something from Tiffany's as well. Yeah. Remember, remember like, the the woman in this in this film is holding on to this single moment. Of, like, justif- how they met. How like, they met. But and he how, was such a good person And here. justify how this this person that she's, you know, with is and a And not good to person. spoil it, but turns out... I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Not to spoil it, but it turns out she even misremembered that. Or yes. She didn't misremember it. She was deceived in yes, that moment as well. And she later found out how she was deceived. And so, I don't know. I, it's And you need an external force to shake it up sometimes. <laughs> you need, yes, you need yes. an external force. You need someone to point you out do. that you know, inconsistency. I think in a lot of ways also just, you know, because we're oversharers in our marriage personally, I I was having a conversation with Ben the other day um, about like, Hey, like when I'm wrong about some shit, you need to like call it out in the moment or you need to like, tell me how you feel in the moment because Ben is definitely somebody who like, if we're, you know, especially uh, if you're elevated, if, if I, I'm like, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to bring this up later, yes. but I often forget about it. Yes. I'll come to Ben. L- let me just like think of something random. I don't know. Let, let's, you, you spilled, you, you spilled all the coffee. I don't know what you just did in my phone, but 
So you spill all the coffee, right? You spill coffee on the carpet. And I'm trying to be like, Ben, can you clean this up? Can you do da 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 da? And you're, you know, making excuses about it or whatever. So, so let's say we get into a fight about some spilled coffee or whatever. In the moment where I'm having a, I'm talking a bit about something, he'll just like stop talking. So I'm kind of like, what? What's this apathy? Either tell me I'm overreacting, or tell me that you're going to clean it up, or tell me like, touch. Show me something, but 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 when you go quiet, it makes me feel like you don't care about this issue. Yeah, it's and <laughs> okay, it's it's hard to speak up when you see when you see someone doing something that is wrong, right? Because you know? sometimes and, Ben will be like, I think, like Ben will be whispering to me, like I think this person's scamming us or whatever, and I'm like, okay, well we need to get the fuck out the car. Like, what? Why are we whispering? Let, let's tuck and roll like let's go uh but like there were like one or two times in india uh, where you were like god damn it we just got ripped off i'm like then why didn't you why'd you just give the money like come on yeah. i would have had your fucking back but why do you as somebody who doesn't always like jump to react like that why do you think well that it's is? it's sort of i try to consider what's the ultimate goal of speaking or what's what the what is the result that i want to speak up and what could be what could be the harm in speaking up right so sometimes there's an element of fear um which again this comes to me like reading about why people sort of allow themselves to be taken advantage of and one of the things that comes down to fear or this idea that if i speak up and talk then you know the situation might worsen for me so that I think there's an element of that where, you know, you speak up so this thing will stop happening or you speak up and then it's compounded. And the thing the thing that you're trying to speak up against ends up increasing in, in violence or increasing in, you know, um, whatever. So that and in the situation with you, if you if I see you saying something like, you know, outrageous or inappropriate, me speaking up might compound your anger and so i try to like okay you're elevated let me hold on and like point out later and be like you know and then point out you know w the words that you said were inappropriate for the following reasons and oftentimes i just forget because you forget to what i forget to speak up you forget like to speak later. up in the moment or you forget in the to bring moment it up later? in the moment i'm like you're angry like me giving you <laughs> correction when you're elevated will not result and what I'm hoping for it to result in. Here's the thing about it. And for those of you listening, please speak up if this is you. I have, I know that when I'm elevated, I am like, I, I will give you a full dissertation before mm. you can even like open the can and get three words out. I know, I know this about myself. You're, you're a fast, <laughs> you're a fast speaker. I'm a fast speaker and I don't miss for the most part. I just need you. Ooh. I'm sorry, you're going to have to edit this. Do you, do you want a cough drop? <clears throat> yes, please. All right. All I need you to do is say, Amber, I need 10 minutes. Amber, I need 30 minutes. Amber, I'm going to talk to you about this 10 a.m. tomorrow. Because yeah, I do want to hear what it is a good technique. But when you put, or because sometimes you'd be like, can we talk about this in the morning? And then the morning comes and you don't say anything then either. I probably forgot about it. Right. So I'm kind of like, oh, cause, so he doesn't care. I don't know. But but I do I, I say that to say you are a working on it and b um, it takes somebody in in both of our instances 
it takes somebody who is not in your family sometimes to call that out. Because when yeah, we first you, started dating, you'd call out like, it's like that's, your mom does this and that's a little interesting. And I'd be like, well, your dad does this and that's a little interesting. So your mom is perfect. I don't think I've ever said anything bad about your mom. You didn't say anything bad. You would just would make never. an observation and I you'd be like. Never. Oh, no, I did say something about having 60 coffee mugs. I was like, yeah, that's interesting. Right, Who needs right. 60, 60 coffee mugs? Yeah. Like it takes somebody, an outsider, outsider who see. has no stakes in the game almost to sort of say less, like, less hey, I'm that. curious about the way that your family does this. Because I think, you know, just to be completely honest, like you, your mother and I got really close when she came to stay with us, mm-hmm. when she came to like nurse me back to health. After the pregnancy. Yes, after the pregnancy. And then every now and then I would talk to her about some things. I'm like, you know, you are like a really funny person. You know mm-hmm. this, right? And she's like, no, nobody's ever told me that before. Yeah, you like, need someone outside yes, to say something need, to you. Right. Yeah. And and I think this is everybody, uh, everybody listening, wanting you to speak up uh, now or later because you know your words matter to me a lot. They do. And I know that they do. And I'm going to speak up more and more and more. Cute. Uh, also, by the way, when I was researching abuse uh, for, oh. for this podcast, Ooh, I, was re- I was researching like familial abuse just because mm-hmm. it is an important plot point in this Absolutely. story. And I kept on every website. Some of the websites I would go up would pop up and give a warning being like, hey, like, you know, inter- internet monitoring occurs even with you know, with different back channels. And I was like, why am I getting this morning? Oh, if, if someone in your household is abusing you and you look up resources on abuse and your search history is being monitored, that could like result in, in you know, more abuse. Being like, why are you looking up abuse? Yeah. So I thought that was, I've never seen anything like that. Like be careful reading this information if you don't want someone else in the household to know that you're researching this. Abuse is such a... Um it's it's so unclear sometimes because when you close your eyes and think of abuse, you think of like two black eyes, yeah. and two I think front of like, teeth. I think of and, dogs like being like repeatedly. Yes, you beat, you think right? physical, like and so physical. and and any examples we have of someone being abused on TV or whatever, or like the Maury show used to do these like horribly domestic violence episodes. It's like, that's all you think about, but we don't really see a lot of examples unless people, unless people share their actual stories, you do not see examples of financial abuse and psychological abuse Mm. and gaslighting. We're starting to slowly see that. And that happens and stuff like that. And that that happens in this book because at one point, yes, Akib is like, you know, my father is really great and my father is so fantastic. And Lucretio says, no, he's not. Your father allowed your brother to do this to you. Yes. Your father's he, a, your bro- your father part might of the abuse. Sicked him, yeah. sicked your brother you're on like, you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and you're like, yeah, there, there is so many um, other ways of abusing someone besides just the physical abuse. And you know, and it's hard to have that discernment as it, so if you're this person right if you're if you're this protagonist in this story sometimes it's hard to discern whether this is truthful or whether it's like okay does this outsider who is visiting my tribe in my village also have vested interests in 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 me as well like will pulling me away then make me you know 
like like I think this is hell. What if I like what if I go with him and right. and he's So the context in Lucretio telling Akib all these things is right. to get Akib to come back with him to his Correct. to his his country. So Akib is definitely battling with like is is what he's saying actually true or or maybe he just wants to get me away and like 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 how can I trust that this is happening um in this moment because I you know me I watch a lot of like religious cult stuff and yeah. one of the first things they do is like tell you like your family's out to get you you're under attack your your faith is is what you have to cling to oh, yeah isolate the, the yes. convert from their yes. family is one of the first steps and yeah all, and then you'll have the, these parents uh, be like well they got to her brain so at that point we couldn't even she would steal our money and give it to the church and she gave the church access to her phones and everything or so I, I could definitely see a kid going back and forth between like questioning everything he knew uh, growing up, but also like what sh- what should I cling to or whatever. Uh, it's talking about you know, grow like clinging to the things that you grow up with because Akib, um, in this story, at one point, we're following the story and he rejects Lucretio and he ends up staying in his country and he gets married to the king's daughter and he himself has a daughter, Lucretia. And in Akib, yes. there are elements where Akib will say things um, like, oh, I prefer a woman's voice when they're singing. And I know that's a betrayal of my of my people, because in this society, there's very clear distinctions between men and women and their expectations. And Akib generally prefers doing things that women do. Yes. And so he dresses, you know, more feminine. He prefers, you know, his presentation. He doesn't like to do all the things that the boys do growing up. There's even this like scene where he's like dancing and and, in my brain, he was just basically like voguing or something like probably like they describe his dance as like very different and Mm -hmm. a little bit more flamboyant as well. The brightest, I think, is the exact wording. It's like he had the brightest dance. He wasn't the most talented, but he was the brightest. Right. Right. And so he ends up having this daughter, and it's so funny because he, his daughter is more masculine, yes, and prefers dressing this way. And he's like, it's so it's so funny how parents do this. They are are so unaware of their own presentation that they end up tearing down their own child. Um, I, I just found that so fascinating. So he ends up like, say more about that. So we're like, oh, you know, I I don't like, it's like, oh, you always, you, you think of your kid and you're like, oh, your kid always has something to say, you know, right. always something to say. And that's like a bad thing. And you paint that in a bad, in a bad way. And yet you as the parent always have something to say. <laughs> you're not aware. Oh, I mean, well, just, right? just wait till Wild so, starts actually so Lucretia, acting like this. His daughter, his daughter is doing the same thing that Akib does. Just in a in a flip way, and it, so there's this element of queerness and uh, cognitive dissonance. Where cognitive dissonance is essentially where two people, you know, have two opposing beliefs. So it's like you're an animal lover, and yet you eat meat, right? Mm-hmm. And so Akib is more Remember effeminate that. and gender bending, and yet he's rejecting his daughter's gender bending. Yeah, there was this like TikTok of this stand up comedian. He's doing crowd work, and he. He says to this woman in the crowd, like, what do you do for work? And she's like, oh, I don't work. Um, my husband owns this restaurant, whatever. Right. And at that restaurant, like, nobody wants to work. We're having such a hard time finding employees. Like, nobody's working anymore. And the, co- the comedian's like, you just said you don't yeah. work. Like, like You hold on to that cognitive dissonance. Yes. 
because it's so normalized for you and you need an external yes. force to point that out to you. I don't know. I, yeah, everything I just, becomes like, well, not me. Other people need to uphold what I want, but not me. Yeah. I, that's one of the things about parenting that I will have to be very aware of where I'm like, I don't want my kid to do this, but I myself am, am doing this thing. So how do I prevent myself from you know, doing this or I, I don't know. I think just, we should, yeah, we should literally go into parenting, which uh, we're already in it, but we should, we should go into it knowing that like, like wild is literally going to just model the behaviors of everything we do. Like yeah. there's not going to be, a, um, which, which, you know, for me is why it is such a huge feat when a, a student is like a first generation college student mm. or, or so, like, like, that is still something to be very, very proud of. I am not a first-generation college student. My mother went to college. My mother has a PhD, for God's sakes. So whenever I see or, or hear that someone went to college and they're the first in their family to do so, that, that to me is like, how did you do that? Hmm. Because education was modeled for me so much in my household. My dad... Um, you know, barely graduated high school, but even he was like, I want better for y'all. I want y'all to be as smart as your mother. I, I like, this is what I want for my family. So like, and my mother helped me with the application, helped me with so many things, helped me with college essays. Mm. So to not have someone help you with that with in the that home support. and still go to college and graduate from college and be the first of your family to do so. I, you are a hero to me. I, I, I do not like, that is such a, incredible feat i just want to like name that like every time someone says that they're like a first generation college student i'm just like tell me how you pulled this off like and i get it like you don't have to go to college to like put that into your child or whatever but like like when that when those cycles are being broken like how does where does that come from because you might not have seen that behavior modeled you know yeah, generally I see some sort of teacher or maybe the family member take a vested interest in that. I I, yeah. I think I, I don't really th I think there's this American idea and I think it's not uniquely American but it is a narrative that the US likes to portray of like the single individual rising up from poverty and making it on their own, right? But when we look at the stories of people who do quote unquote, come from poverty and make it on their own, they they didn't really make it on their own, right? right? There was some sort of teacher or maybe it was a family member or some sort of, you know, situation that involved others that allowed them to do that. I really sort of reject this idea that someone can do something on their own, really do anything fantastic on their own. Yeah, what's I your, just, you always say this to me, it's about, uh, it takes a little bit of like discipline or a little bit oh, of talent. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it? like, there are like three things that make someone successful in any sort of field. It's discipline, talent, and luck. Yes. And you only control one of those. And that is your discipline. And, yeah. And, but even that, you know, I think you could I like, think, I think get you could some classes for your talent. Well, that would come down to discipline, right? Because okay. the discipline of going to the class. Discipline talent and luck yeah. i agree like being in the right place at the right time having some sort of talent or some sort of you know the way you're raised or you know whatever talent means involves really you not having any choice on how that talent comes about um, yeah. but discipline is sort of the one thing that you can choose and but for the 
I, I think there could be an argument made that even discipline is something that someone instills into you or teaches oh, yeah. you how to do. So, I, I yeah, don't know. like now, obviously, I work in a very different field than what my parents wanted for me or what your parents wanted for you. But it does take a level of discipline to be like, well, I work for myself, so I need to like make a schedule. We need to have a morning meeting about making content and because I could just like sleep in and then where would we be? Yeah. Perked. But also your level of learning that discipline came from working in Correct. an environment at a school that was very regimented and very yes. strict and that sort of, and you were willing to accept that, which is an element of that, but that's not something that you just inherently had. Absolutely like not. You, you, you were taught not. that discipline. You're right. You're right. I want to talk about the uh, Sybil effects real quick because you had something oh, yeah. about that. You know, yeah. It's essentially the end of the story. Uh, spoiler alert. Huge spoiler, but awesome spoiler. But essentially... The story is going back and forth. It's a time narrative going back and forth between Akib and a Lucretio, you know, falling in love, but then Lucretio um, leaving and Akib learning to live a life as a essentially a straight person. And he marries, you know, the king's daughter and it goes back and forth. Essentially, we come to the ending of the book and Akib is, you know, is 86 years old and he dies um with you know presumably maybe an old lover that would name benj i think benj benji at the end of the book and um essentially his wife has left to work you know doing math and you know magic in a different realm and so he you know never reconnects reconnects with lucretio and it's very sad turns out though that that isn't the end of the story. Turns out that Akib did go back to the country with Lucretio and essentially hiked up a mountain and went to a Sybil cave to see his life, uh, what his life would have been if he never went back to Lucretio. So we're sort of deceived in right. thinking. So he actually never had a daughter. And um, it, it was it was very fascinating. I think the... This, uh, the structure of this, I think I would have liked to seen more of the actual reality he lived in, which yeah, is me him, too. him going back to Lucretio. Doesn't doesn't matter. The story is what it is. But I thought that was really powerful. Yes. The, the effect because even that in in the, like him reflecting was part of is the story. And sometimes, uh, it shows the power of reflecting and the importance of reflecting. Also, Sybil is um is sort of a, a case study of a woman who is diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder. So this idea, and there's a, a term called a Sybil attack when a computer network is essentially attacked by a number of like pseudonym, pseudonymous identities. And it, um, yeah, it's essentially it's a I don't know what you're talking about. So basically the Sybil effect is this idea of having like multiple things of the same thing so okay so him going to a civil cave something about that before yeah him going into a cave is him just it's like a you know it's like a literary way of like naming a um a technique in which you see multiple selves of of your own self got it and what that world would have looked like i don't know yes so the whole story that we saw was what his life would have looked like if he did it join his lover yeah but that's not what happened he did 
get together with his lover, uh, Lucrecio. Lucrecio. I think his name is Lucrio, but Lucrio. Yeah, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, so he did. Luc- oh, Lucrio. He Lucrio. did get with his lover, Lucrio. Lucrio. And they just loved on each other all of their days, which yeah. was beautiful. So the the abuse and the the hellfires that we saw Never. didn't happen. Well, or they did, but long. he he, exa- he, he was escaped. able to escape them. He escaped those. Um, I will say one thing about this book. I loved this book. This is not a sigh. This is just something to consider. <coughs> I'm so sorry, everybody listening to this. I promise. I can't promise I won't be sick next time. Who knows? But um, please read this book with a dictionary nearby. There are a, a lot of what me and my mom used to call, uh, there's there's some $5 words in here. There's some $50 words in here. So every other word for me was like, what does this mean? Is yeah, a, there's some techno babble in it. There's some intense vocabulary in this book, but I, I learned a lot. Like read this book if you are studying for like an SAT or something uh, or not. But I, I definitely was like, what does this, do you e- remember? E- even the characters don't know what the words mean at some points. Because right. the gods yes. essentially visit the earth here and they use very complicated terms that to describe their, their magic. And at one point, Akib is like, I have talking he's talking to these gods and he says i have no idea what you're talking about yes so i mean there there is a way to understand it but you have to look up each of the individual words and yes I, and which i enjoy doing well some of them are also just tied to like this word means an older european uh a palm fan you know like some of them might also be like unique to the period where did you come up with that I looked at a Fondac or something oh, a like a, a oh, like yeah. a F O N D A C, and then a couple words I would look up, and they were like, "This is a fictional unit of measurement used in sci-fi books." I was like, "Oh, like some of the words are just some of the words are like tied to the region. Some oh, of the psionic, words, are, maybe psionic. Yes, so, like like something that we wouldn't even use in America is major what this domo word means. was another yes. one. Yes, yeah, like, we would we, never say major we, domo. We just thought that speech. was a restaurant in L.A. Right, right, and where we pigged out, you know. Anyway, I think I think we're about done here. I, I enjoyed this talk with you. And the, the only side I do have is that it took us, you know, 112 episodes to come to like a primarily gay romance story. So that's, so that's a sigh on us. That's a sigh on us. We should have done better. We, we'll get it together. But we have our entire lives to just read and watch yeah. shows, which we will be doing next week. Uh, you want to warp up the show with this book? Yeah, read... Um, Kaya Shanti Wilson's A Taste of Honey. His story is absolutely amazing. He didn't start writing seriously until he, w- he was in his mid-30s. And I think his first story was published when he was 40. So he started later than probably a lot of writers. And I find that really inspiring. So check out A Taste of Honey. Love that. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast. Up next for episode 113, we are going to be watching the new show, Kindred, okay? If you remember, our very first episode was what we thought was going to be Kindred, which was Antebellum, which was definitely not Kindred. So we read Kindred for the very first episode, and now the show is finally here. So the new show, Kindred, based on Octavia Butler's novel, Kindred, is happening. Uh, All of those episodes will be available for binging on December 13th. Where are we watching these episodes again, baby? Uh, It is on Hulu. Hulu. 
uh, being produced by FX. Hulu. So be sure to watch Kindred on Hulu as of December 13th, and we will see y'all next week for the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.